Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Living free. Ah, welcome. Uh, this is Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Hi, I'm Bill, and with my show co-hosts, I uh, would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and acknowledge that this land is stolen and sovereignty was never ceded. Each week on the Living Free Show... We showcase one of the many programs that assist in recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. My guest today is a compulsive gambler who's recovering with the help of Gamblers Anonymous. I'd like to welcome Barry to the show. Hi, Barry. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I hope you're well. I've always wanted to say that already. (laughs) You've done it. Um, So, Barry, usually we, we talk about um, what life's like growing up, where your addiction took you, and how you got into recovery, and what life's like now. So, do you want to talk a bit about growing up and your life, your early life, and the sort of influences in your early life? Well, I grew up in a loving family with what you consider normal, with uh, two brothers and a sister. There were four of us, and everything was hunky dory and rosy, and. There was an abundance of joy, love, and happiness, and I'll go straight into it. I think I I remember when I was in year eight at school, they were doing um, Melbourne Cup sweeps and stuff like that, and I got the buzz, and uh, that was at one school, and when I got to year 11, I changed schools, and on the way home from school, we used to stop at a tram stop, and there was a TAB. And in our school uniforms, they used to let us punt at the TAB. Really? Yeah. (laughs) And that was the buzz. And the buzz just got worse and worse to the point where I did – I wasn't the person who I was brought up up to be. In fact, the complete opposite. And it's really hard to say when there's – I don't know who's listening, but – um. In a meeting, it's easy because I'm in a group of people that all have the same recovery or some have the same recovery issues. We're all different people. So I did a lot of bad things. And then everyone thought that I was whatever they call normal. And I was a closet gambler. I still am a compulsive gambler. I have, um, thank God, 18 years and a few, few days up in recovery since the 27th of January 2005. And I can tell you that I can't fathom how I used to tell people that no one knew I was a gambler. No one. Yeah. It was crazy. I knew, and I was waiting for the day to get caught by anybody. I never did. I was waiting for the day for to be caught by the police and never did or caught by authorities. It just never happened, and it just kept continuing, continuing until there was no avenue to 
get money anymore. And then I had to come clean to my ex-wife and say, you know that credit card that you've got that never that you have unlimited power to? That has to stop because there is um, no money. We might have to sell the house, which we ended up doing. Had to sell it, like lost a business. It was mental days. Then I walked into the rooms on the 27th of January in a Paran meeting. And they were at GA, we have a yellow book. And I thought someone wrote this book about me. And then I sat in the back corner because I, you know, I was scared. And I just listened to other people share. And some of them are probably listening to this program now. I know one is. And I thought, I'm not the only person. And it was amazing. It literally was amazing. And all the men that came up to me, and he saved my life. I'm indebted to him forever. And he said, Barry, you need to go to meetings. Get his words were get your ass on a chair and listen and talk. So I didn't talk the first meeting because I was scared. But the second meeting I did. And in my first at least year, probably two years of recovery, I went to six meetings a week, places I'd never been to in my life, and sat in that chair because it's the only place that made me feel comfortable or normal. And I knew if I kept going in that chair and using a telephone list and speaking to people, that it'd be very difficult to gamble again. Not impossible, just difficult. <clears throat> so do you want to go back and tell us a bit about the sorts of gambling you started with and the sorts of gambling you went on to? Started with horses, because that was accessible, and that was easy. Then it went to poker machines. Then it went to football, tennis, the casino, two ants crawling up a wall, uh, you name it, Tatslotto. Uh, not proud of any of this. I could gamble on anything at any time. And it was, I stopped gambling just towards the end of when it became online on the phone. And so it was, I was lucky that I stopped then because today it'd be harder. Today it's because you try to not to go to venues or not to, you know, not to go in or, or be around gamblers. And, now it's imp- I, it's not impossible. It would be a lot harder now with your mobile being a, just a gambling device. Mm. So and advertising everywhere. But gam- yeah, I did everything. You, I remember one day I was meant to be at work. It was a Saturday. I rang up my staff and said I'm not coming in today. I'm sick. I ended up in the big house. I sat there from nine till five. At one stage, I was winning enough to pay back half my debts. And I walked out minus, and I couldn't work it out. And then my, no one knew. So my brother rang me about 6.30 and said, oh, Baz, we haven't been to the casino for a long time. Let's go tonight. And I had to move him to a different part of the casino so I wouldn't be recognized because I was there all day, and I had to find some cash. It was bad times, Mm. bad, really bad. Yeah. <clears throat> so a lot of people may not understand the big house. So the big house... A oh, big house is the casino. Yeah. Crown. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
It's a place no one needs to go to. I've, I think since I've stopped gambling, I've been twice for work functions. And I've actually had to open up to somebody at work and say, please walk me into the room, wherever the room was, and then walk me back to my car and don't let me turn left. Yeah. I won't eat at a restaurant there. I won't support it in any way. There's plenty of restaurants in Melbourne without going there. And I find it, I find it a terrible, terrible place and I never, ever want to go in there again. Terrible. Mm. Um, do you want to talk about um, being at school and gambling and, and I guess the influence of your peers in gambling and, and that sort of thing? There's a lot of emphasis on that in advertising these days about gamble with your mates. and all. So what's the, what was the influence of having gambling with your school friends? Well, we're talking 35 years ago, so it's, yeah. um, it's, a, mem- little bit different. it's, yeah, it's a memory <laughs> I'm trying to rep- repress. But um, I remember we used to walk from school to the tram was the end of the line. And we used to, you're talking little money because you didn't have access to big money then. Yeah. And we used to, we used to bet and we used to talk about horses. And I did, and it was like nearly every day. We, you know, people wouldn't spend their lunch money so they could use that for the TAB after school. And it just, and then I worked it out myself and, it became insidious because then I started gambling by myself mm. without them. And you're talking 16, 17, and then mm. I stopped for a few years. And I had enough, I think it was early 20s, I probably had enough money to buy a small flat. And then somehow this disease got back. And that's when poker machines were already in Melbourne. I remember you had to use a card, and it was called the Tabaret. And that's where it all started again. And it didn't stop. Every time I had free time or access to money, it did not stop. I got married. My ex-wife didn't know I was a gambler. Nobody knew I was a gambler. Everyone thought I was normal, except for me. Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit also about living that double life and the amount of effort it takes to keep those two things separate? I remember, I can tell you the easiest way to say that. When I stopped gambling, I had all this time. And all this money. <laughs> no, forget the money part. I had a lot of debt to pay. So yeah. we have steps in gambling and in the Gamblers Anonymous. And one of the steps is, acknowledge, like, I don't know them off by heart. Sorry, people. But um, you acknowledge it and you, and you try and make amends where it's not going to harm you or others. And I did, and I worked for two or three years without taking a wage properly or just enough to live. And, But the amount of effort I could work because I wasn't living that double life, and it was amazing. I didn't have to worry about the phone ringing. I didn't have to turn off the phone. I didn't have to make lies where I am. I didn't have to do anything like that. I could just work and be me and try and recover. So I spent, and then each meeting sometimes went from an hour to an hour and a half, so I would spend 15 hours a week maybe at GA, and the rest of the time working to pay back debt. And I could see how functional I could be and how dysfunctional I was. Living a double life is not fun. You, you can't, you know, a client would ring and you'd be in a... T- 
in the pokies or the TAB or or at the casino, and you couldn't answer the phone. So my voicemail was, was very busy then. Now I answer the phone. I'm not afraid to answer the phone. Like mm. I don't have people chasing me for money. I don't have debt collectors. I don't have credit card people. I don't have anybody. If I can't afford it, I don't buy it. I don't. Even since then, so it's 18 years, I don't carry a credit card. I use a debit card. If I can't make it, I don't eat it or I don't need it. And now I just worry about recovery on other issues. But gambling, I still call myself a compulsive gambler. I'm open about it if anyone asks. It's a very hard thing to say because I still have a, there's a, I can't think of the word, a judgment on gambling, a judgment on compulsive gamblers. And most people are right when they judge. But even with 18 years up, nothing's going to stop me if I really want to have that punt. I'll do it. So I know the only way not to do it is go to meetings. So since COVID, and I go to meetings again. And it's, I, I'm a selfish person, so I go to meetings for myself. And you hear a newcomer come in, and you go to yourself, that was me 18 years ago. So it's great to, it's great when a new person walks in the room because it reminds me of what I was like when I walked into those rooms and it brings me back to reality what would happen if I decided which is easy to do I have the funds to do it to have a bet so you know I say Gambler's Anonymous and probably all and I don't, haven't been to any other anonymous meetings are very selfish meetings you can't help the person that if they want help if they don't want help you can try and help them but if they don't want it I don't try that hard. I try to help if people want help. I try to call, if, but if they don't call me back, I'll try twice or three times and I'm done. Yep. It's too selfish. I have to look after me first yep. and my kids. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not here to save the world. No, one, I'm here to not gamble one day at a time. That's it. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a bit about what caused you to seek help? In the end, what was the pivotal? The pivotal thing was I owed a lot of money. I, I stole a lot of money. People started asking for their money. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. So I remember I started going to Gambler's Help because they were all over the television and the radio. And she was a really nice, sweet young girl 18 years ago or plus. And she told me some reasons how to stop gambling or only gamble a little bit. And I think after our third meeting, I said to her, excuse me, have you got any addictions to anything? She goes, no. And I said, and I got up and I walked out. And Gamble's Anonymous, I don't know if they have it now. So they used to have a, they used to, I know they don't have an office now. They used to have an office that was manned with a phone. Mm. And I rang that phone number. And to this day, I don't know who answered the phone but as a great person and that person told me it was a he that there's a meeting Tuesday night in Caulfield there's a because he asked me where I lived and I said Caulfield it happened it was on Monday he goes tomorrow night there's a meeting in Caulfield get there I didn't want to go to that meeting because I thought I would know people and I said no I don't want to go to that one he goes well Wednesday night Elston week I said that's too close also yeah. 
and I kept punting those two days. And he goes, Thursday, Paran. And the Thursday morning I woke up. I said, I'm going to Paran tonight. I walked into the meeting in Paran. I didn't bet that day. And that day is the day of my birthday. That's my second birthday. It's probably most, I'm not going to say more important than my first birthday, but it's, mm. it's a day that I cherish because I found recovery or the road to recovery. And one day at a time, I can recover. I can't tell you that tomorrow I'm not going to have a bet. I can tell you that I'm going to work my hardest not to have that bet today and not to bet tomorrow. I can't even tell you what I'm doing in two days' time. I live my life with three rules, one day at a time. I learned at GA. Keep it simple, stupid, someone told me at GA. And then I learned from another sage, think good and it'll be good. And it's okay not to be okay. Sorry, there's four. I just put that yeah. one on. It's okay not to be okay. Yeah. And that's how I live my life, with those four simple rules. And day at a time, it's working for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think a day at a time helps limit the, I guess, the being overwhelmed by the uh, size of the issue that you're facing. Uh, that you don't have to worry about anything else. It's it's just today you've got to get through. Yeah. I only can get through today. Yeah. Like I know from here, this finishes at 2 o'clock, that I have to go from here to Revel to pick up a top for my son because he's going to basketball tonight, then pick him up from school, uh, make sure he gets home from school, which we will because I'm picking him up, Give him feed him because he's a hungry teenager, and at 4.50 he's being picked up to go to some basketball game. I have no idea what it is. And he'll be home at nine thirty, ten o'clock, and then make, I'll be already asleep by the time he gets home. And um, that's what I know today. I know I have a plan for tomorrow of getting up at five thirty and going for a six k walk, and then having some Barry time and getting a massage, and then going to work. But I know that I don't know anything else, and I don't want to complicate my life because. You know, last year was a really tough year personally in all aspects. And I used to wake up in the morning going, how am I going to... It was actually the worst year of my life. Like even worse than gambling, I had issues at home with daughters and sons and ex-wives and everything. And every morning I'd get up and I'd say, I can get through today because I'm not having a bet. And imagine how much worse today would be if I was on the punt. So I can handle most things, probably anything, because I know how much worse it could be if I was punting. Yeah. Okay. Well, so we might take a short break there. Um, the song we've got is All My Friends Are Getting Married by the Skyhooks.
Don't have a million dollars and still want to have a good education for your kid? Tune into the Dogs Program. We are the defenders of government schools. 12pm on Saturdays here on 3CR. 855 and AM Dial podcast streaming live on 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. We defend government schools because they need it. Ah, welcome back. This I is- have a question first. Did you put that song on because you knew I got married because all my friends were getting married? No. Okay, yeah. just checking. <laughs> right. Okay, uh, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you'd like to listen to one of our many podcasts of our show, you can find us on your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. You can also contact us via phone, email or Twitter. Today I'm talking with Barry and we're talking about compulsive gambling and his recovery through Gamblers Anonymous. So, Barry, what I want to talk to you now about is your progression in gambling. So you mentioned as a 16-, 17-year-old going to the TAB on your way home from school and then sort of getting more involved gambling gambling with friends and then gambling on your own. So do you want to talk about how you progressed from TAB horses to where you finally ended up? Well, we don't talk amounts of money at GA but my, because it really doesn't matter because someone can afford X and someone can afford X times 10 and my math is no good so I don't understand with that anyway but um, my gambling started very small because I had access to no funds so it was the 50 cent each way bet on a horse but it wasn't the point of the amount it was the point of the thrill when the stupid thing won or the, and you could get X times 5 or whatever it was and my friends decided they didn't like it anymore, probably. And I loved it. I was hooked. I saw other people do it. I saw people at the TAB. I saw my dad do it. I saw... I was hooked. I was gone. And then when I started working, I had access to funds, and I found other ways you could gamble. It's not just horses. I actually knew I had a problem. When I was betting in places I didn't even know existed... So remember, I'm, I'm talking 18 years ago, there was races in Esk. I don't know where Esk is. And I was, it was Friday afternoon and I was betting on the Esk races. And then when in between races, I was betting on the stupid computer races. Like, that's just stupid. Like, it, it doesn't show any normality. And then from races, you got an instant adrenaline hit and quickly with poker machines. So whatever stress I had in the world, I could go into this venue and start hitting a machine. But one machine wasn't enough. It had to be two machines, and it always had to be a place where I couldn't be seen. But I actually remember one day I was sitting in a venue close to home, close to, and had a car park in the end, and a local trader walked through who I knew to go to his car. And I feel embarrassed to this day because he said to me, Barry, one machine's not enough. You need to use two machines. And he was a hard, he's my age. And I'm 53, so he's my age. And he's gone so far in life with different things. And he looked at me and goes, I'll never forget it. Two machines. Can't one be do it. And one couldn't do it. I needed to be in action all the time. I needed the two machines. And then footy betting was fantastic because you, 
you could go to the footy and have a punt, and not just on that game, but on every game. And towards the end of my gambling, excuse me, towards the end of my gambling, I remember sitting at my brother's house, because I were a bit open with him, and I was betting on every ball at the cricket. And it's just, thinking about it now, it's, it's silly. I remember during COVID, they had football games every night, nearly. Mm. And I was on a chat. So someone added me to this WhatsApp chat, and it was talking football. So I can add that. I can watch that. And in the first three uh, chats, someone put, I put this much on, a, on this team. And I just deleted myself off the chat because I don't want to know. Don't care. And someone rang me and go, why did you delete yourself off the chat? And I said, don't want to know. You want to talk punting? That's your business. I don't want to know. I'm watching football. And this guy goes, but it's more exciting when you've got to get money on it. And I said, maybe for you, but for me it's not. And I left it there. So, yeah, my gambling pro- progressed crazy from the one better day to maybe then going on Saturdays to going every day to the TAB to going every day to poker machines to putting my whole life out there just punting and it was a I I don't know how to explain the buzz I don't want to remember it I really don't I can't think of anything that gives you that same buzz as yeah. I can't. I've heard of it also as being sort of in the zone so that everything else doesn't matter. Nothing nothing matters. No one. No. You don't care. You don't care if the world is burning behind you. As long as those machines were working, you do not care. That's why I think when you go into a venue, I don't know, I haven't been in for a long time. There's no clock. Yeah. There's no windows. You don't know if it's daytime. You don't know if it's nighttime. You don't know what time it is. You don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't wear a watch. I didn't want to look at my phone, and it's embarrassing. It's actually embarrassing when you're there by yourself, or not many people, or when the. I remember I used to have to change venues because I didn't. I remember at that time you couldn't just put in the beginning. You couldn't put notes in a machine. You'd have to go and transfer the notes to coins. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. In the end, I could put notes in the machines. And I used to have to keep going to the cashier to get more coins. And she would name me by name in the end. And I'm I'm not saying what I do for work, but um, one day I'm at work, and this person who was the cashier at the local venue comes through and says, Oh, hi. And I, I knew who she was. I go, Sorry, do I know you? She goes, of course you know me. I said, ah, I think you got the wrong person, love. And she didn't have the wrong person. I was a lot different than I am now, and I was so embarrassed. But it still didn't stop me going back. Maybe to a different venue, though. It would, nothing would have stopped me, and it didn't. But embarrassing moments of gambling? Yeah. Mm. Terrible things. It's just... You know, I don't even... And I, I'm trying to repress them all. So I don't, even when I share at GA, I don't, a lot of times, I don't say war stories. Because we mm. all have our own war stories about gambling. I try and talk more about recovery and how I recovered and how to help people in the room recover. Because I actually don't care how and what people did when they gambled. I know that I'm in that room for what I did. And I'm there to try. And recover, keep recovering, and to help new members recover. 
But war stories we all have. And when you when we sit down sometimes for dinner and we talk war stories, we're all just out of control mental people yeah. that have an addiction. But from what I gather, I go to another meeting on some Thursday nights, which is just a recovery meeting for all different addicts. Yeah. And once you're an addict for anything, you don't care about anything else, just your addiction. So it can be food, alcohol, drugs, gambling, sex, Nike sneakers. It can be anything. If you're an addict, it can be anything, and you're scared. Like right now, I'm addicted to gym. It's a good addiction, I think. You know, I go to most days to gym, and it's great for my mental health, great for my physical health, and that's something where I'm putting my effort into. And I can't see, I, at the moment, I still can't see a, a benefit not to be addicted to that. Yeah. So, you know, I don't go overboard. I'm not there three, four hours a day like some people. I re- regulate it and I'm enjoying it and it's fun. And it's, I only can see positive. But I think if you do anything too much, there's negatives. Mm. Do you want to talk about your early recovery in GA? What sort of things helped you the most? There was a member called Bob. And. Bob put me under his wing and he helped me recover. I remember, and I I shared this last night, I don't exactly remember if it was in the first year or the second year. And I drove past the TAB and I stopped the car. And I walked in and out of that TAB for an hour and a half to the point where I filled in the paper, got close to putting it in the machine, Walked out, threw it in, walked out, walked in, walked out. And I was I was actually mental. Well, not mental. Mental's the wrong word. I was, yeah, I was mental, insane. And I rang Bob and I told him what I'm doing. And he said to me, just get the F in the fuck, and get the F in the car, sorry, and drive away. I said, oh, that's clever. And I did. And I followed members with abstinence. I thought, if these people can do it, I can do it. I followed members that did the same things as me. I followed one particular member who's in the same profession as me, and she's still a member today, and she's got more years than me up, and I followed her, and whatever she said to do, I did. I think... That's the only way this program works is if you follow someone that's got recovery, yeah. who's got the same um, meaning of life as you, and just do it. It's it's easier said than done, believe me. There's a lot of people that have recovered and gone back and come back or after four weeks they reckon they can, they've got it made, sorted, and they know how to do it. And But that's in all fellowships. I know I don't. I know I'm still, I call myself still, you know, my name's Barry, I'm a compulsive gambler, I haven't gambled since the 27th of January 2005. Yes, I'm in recovery, but yes, I can still gamble. So Gamblers Anonymous, if you have a problem in, in gambling, my advice is to get on the Google, and Google Gamblers Anonymous, find the closest meeting to your house or find the most meeting today. So if you're listening to this, it's Thursday night. I have no idea where the meetings are because I don't go anymore Thursday night. But you can Google it, Thursday night meetings, and get to a meeting tonight. Or if you want to come to Tuesday night and you see a really nice group of people in Caulfield, come Tuesday night. 
can then have a coffee after. I found the important part of meetings was, so the meetings run in two ways. We start with some shared reading and then we give our recovery stories or our gambling stories, whichever way you want to call it. And then the best part of the meeting is the coffee after. And that's when you can ask questions and how and what and who and where and when. And that's where you make social connections if you need it. And most people do. And that's where you can find people to help you. And everyone needs it. You need a sponsor. Uh, Bob was my sponsor. And he helped me throughout my life. As we got out of contact. He stopped, you know, he grew older. And we're all older than we were 18 years ago. And he moved to Bendigo. And we stopped being in touch. And then COVID came. I stopped going to meetings. I stopped, actually stopped a little bit before COVID instead of once a Instead of every day, I moved it to two times a day, two times a week, and then once a week, and then once every two weeks, then once a month, then, yeah. And then COVID came, I tried some Zoom meetings, and even though the presenter was very good, I couldn't I couldn't do Zoom for work, I couldn't do Zoom for meetings. And then afterwards, so I reckon I started coming back um, August last year. Right. And I go every... Tuesday, I tried to get to Caulfield. I couldn't go this Tuesday to school thing, so I went yesterday to Elstonwick. And you're welcome. I haven't been to Elstonwick for a year, since, oh, maybe last year, and I walked in, and I still knew half the people there, said hello to new members. That meeting runs a bit hard for me because I need to be home for my kids, so I have to leave a bit early. If you're like me and you can't sit and you have no patience, the Caulfield meeting's perfect. It goes for one hour. Yeah. Anyone can... One hour, and... If you're lucky, you get the lounge chair, but they've taken it away because I don't know why. <laughs> the new secretary didn't like it. So I can't sit for longer than an hour. I have no patience. But if there were machines in front of me, I could sit all day. Yep. It's just stupid. Mm. And everyone tells me off being in meetings for being on my phone, so I try not to do that. But it's hard. It's just like, it's hard because I don't – half the time I remember not wanting to be there. You know, it's winter – Elstonwick meeting used to meet in an old church, no heating, this little electric heater, it's three degrees outside, it's, you're freezing and you're sitting in this little room, it's, it wasn't fun, but you used to go. You know, Caulfield's now been refurbished, so it's a nice meeting, but or nice meeting room, but so is Elstonwick, but it's just, I don't think, I only can talk for myself, most times do I want to go, now I do. I don't know what twigged, but now I want to go to meetings. But there's been years I didn't want to go, but still went. Mm. And I put it to the point where if a doctor said to me, you've got cancer, and the only way to cure the cancer is by sitting in a chair for an hour and a half, you'd sit in that chair without moving for an hour and a half. Yeah. So I put it the same thing. I've got this disease. I sit in this disease will stop. If I sit in a chair for an hour and a half, you sit in the chair. And I don't know how it works. I don't want to know how. I don't look into the ways and the readings and the philosophy. I've never Googled, I've never watched YouTube on Gambles Anonymous. I've never Googled Gambles Anonymous to read stories. I know for me, I need to sit in a chair. I know I've been to meetings overseas where I didn't even understand the language. But I found the meeting online and it was a, 
I needed a meeting. I don't even know why I needed it. I don't remember. It was one and a half hours on a bus from where I was staying in the middle of the industrial place in the middle of nowhere. And I walked in and I'm lucky there were few English speakers and they translated a little bit for me. But I needed it. So I went. And I don't see a reason not to go yet. If someone could tell me another way to stop gambling, I would do it. Yeah, an easy way. An easy way. If someone said to you, an easy way, I like to do things easy in my life. So if someone gave me an easy, cheap way out of it, I would do it. And Gambles Anonymous is an easy way. I've met some really, really nice people from all works of... Cheap. Yeah. You don't have to pay anything. <laughs> if you've got that money, you don't pay, and you get a biscuit and a cup of coffee. But I've really met some nice people, some really, I would say, uh, people I could ring 24-7 will answer the phone to my phone call just in case I've got a problem with anything. People there know more about my life yeah. than anybody. Yeah. And... You know, it's who you see here, and we're anonymous, and no one, you know. I I see a member, our kids go to the same school. He was the first person I saw in GA 18 years ago in Paran. I thought I would go to Paran to get away from my community, so I thought I'd go to Paran. The first person I walked into was this guy. I see our kids are at the same school. I see him at school. We give an eye nod just with our eyes. And we keep going because his wife doesn't know that I'm in the rooms. And I, you know, I saw him last night. We had a chat. And if I see if I see him in the rooms, we're great friends. If I need to call him, we're there. But if I see him with people, he sees me with people. It's an eye nod. It's great. It's crazy. And he knows, and I know everything about our inner workings of life because that's what we share. Okay, well, so we might take a quick break. Um, we've got a song. This one's uh, by Peter Allen, and it's called Tenterfield Saddler. The late George Woolnow worked on High Street and lived on manners. Fifty-two years he sat on his veranda and made his saddles. And if you had questions about sheep or flowers or dogs, Just ask the saddler He lived without sin They're building the library for him Time is a traveler Tenderfield saddler Turn your head Right again, jackaroo Think I see kangaroo up The son of George Wolno went off and got married and had a war baby. But something was wrong, and it's easier to drink than go crazy. And if there were questions about why the end was so sad, well, George had no answers about why a son. Ever has need of a gun Time is a traveler Tenderfield saddler Turn your head Ride again, jackaroo Think I see kangaroo up ahead 
grandson of George has been all around the world and lives no special place. Changed his last name and he married a girl with an interesting face. He'd almost forgotten them both because in the life that he leads, there's nowhere for George and his library. Or the son with his gun to belong Except in this song Time is a traveler Ten of your satellite time you had Ride again, jackaroo Think I see kangaroo up ahead Down on the ground, emu up ahead Time is a tale-teller Tenafield satellite, turn your head Ride again, jackaroo Think I see kangaroo Proud black man, proud black man, you should not wonder. Strong spirit, First Nations issues, families, people and stories from a First Nations perspective. Mondays at 1pm on 3CR. Proud black man, proud black man, you should not wonder. You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. Ah, Welcome back. This is a Living Free Show on 3CR Digital Radio, live streaming on 3cr.org.au. And today we're talking with Barry and talking about compulsive gambling and his recovery through Gamblers Anonymous. Um, so, Barry, um, I just want to talk to you a bit about um, once you've been in GA for a while and things start to improve, how does it change your relationship with your family? I think, firstly, it, it changes the relationship with yourself. I... Yes, I'm ashamed and embarrassed of everything I did. But I don't lie anymore. Even if it's bad, I'll tell the truth. I can't see the reason to lie. I I don't know if you ever get trust back 100%. Because I remember opening up to my family and... One of the members even asked last year, because I was very anxious about something, are you back on the punt? Or are you back gambling? I said, no, I'm just not normal. And I also have mental illness. I I do have bipolar, and I've been really good the last probably three years. I listen, I do what I'm told, I exercise is good recovery. So I think... 
it's very hard to gain trust back with your family. I don't know if it's ever get a hundred percent trust back, but I'm not ashamed of anything I do now. I'm single. I've got two kids. I try my hardest to be a parent. Yeah, I stuff up a bit, then I keep trying my hardest. I find that the last year I found it very difficult to work. I had a lot of issues going on, so I didn't. I started work, I don't know how many jobs I've had in the last few years, people make fun of it. I started on Monday with a new company, I quite enjoy it. I didn't tell them where I am today. And I just think that life without gambling is an easier life. Mm. It's a much easier life. Like this morning, I went to gym. I went to Geelong quickly. I came back here just to quickly see a property. Got here. And then I'm doing kid stuff. And it's great. I can do that. I can do that now and be easy. I don't have to make up stories. If I want to buy something and I have the cash, I can do it. I don't have to worry where I'm going to get the cash to pay my... I'm compulsive in two things. I make sure my rent's paid a lot in advance and my H my HCF, whatever it's called, paid a lot in advance. And, you know, I've had a hard times and I've had easy times, but I'm not punting. So that means life is good. Yeah. That's right. That's, um, by taking that second life out of it, just having one life simplifies everything. 100%. Yeah. It just makes it... You know, I took the kids to Bali over January and I can say 60 to 70% of the time we all had a good time. I can't say it was a really good holiday for me. I can't... I'll be honest with you. You know, when you've got parenting children, you they're always first. <laughs> And I had some Jetstar credits still from COVID that were running out. And I went on last night and booked a ticket for myself to go for a week to Bali. And I couldn't do that if I was punting. And, you know, I booked a hotel for, I think it was $35 a night. I said, as long as it's got air conditioning and a pool and breakfast, I don't need gold. And I'm going for seven nights or something. And I'm just going to hopefully leave my work phone at home and just... I just know that in my life I deserve a break and I can do this break and I'm doing it. Mm. And I'm happy about it and I'm not guilty. I don't have to t- explain it to anybody. I've got no one to, you know, my kids will be looked after by their mother or my mother or someone and I don't need to, I can go. Mm. I've heard other gamblers say that when they stopped gambling they actually got to have a holiday and it was the first holiday they'd ever had. No, I had to, I remember going on a holiday... I don't. I can't even remember where Port Douglas or Cairns. When I was married, gambling wasn't the reason my marriage broke up. It didn't help it, but it wasn't the reason. I don't think we. That's a different story for another episode. Yeah. But I remember I went on, on holidays to Port Douglas. Someone I won a holiday. Wow. Won. <laughs> that holiday cost me a lot of money. I won a holiday, and we went to Port Douglas, and they had one computer at the resort. I don't know how many times I had to check my emails, but I was on that computer a lot. So I had a holiday, but it wasn't a holiday. I was punting the whole, and I won. And I wanted the cash. And it was in 
it wasn't like now. It was an, I don't know. Sorry, I don't know how it is now. But it was in a Victorian TAB account, and I couldn't get the money in Queensland. Right. And it wasn't a little bit. It was a good bout that would have made the holiday a lot better. And I couldn't get the cash. <laughs> and so, what do you do when you can't get it? You punt it until you lose it all. Yep. Done. Mm. Walked out with nothing. Couldn't when I got to there was nothing left. <laughs> So I did have a holiday, but they weren't holidays. It's not a holiday where I'm going to go now to Bali and spend the time with for loading up on my Kindle with books and loading my maybe Netflix with stupid shows and sitting by the pool and drinking, um, I can't remember the name. It's a lemon beer they got there. It's just gone, bintong, lemon bintong, and sitting there and watching the world go past. Yeah. And if I don't talk to anyone for a week, I'm happy too. It's just it's just going to be my week to enjoy, and my son's already given me a list of what he wants me to bring him back. So I'm going with no luggage, coming back with twenty kilos of luggage. So it's just, right. and it's all for them. Yeah. yeah, and it's fun, and it's something I can look forward to on the thirtieth April. I'm getting on an aeroplane, mm. so I've got to work really hard until then, and I will because yeah. I enjoy what I'm doing and I'm just happy. Yeah, I actually can wake up today at five thirty to go on a five and a half kilometer walk with a friend on nearly 6k with a smile and that's important yeah yeah just quickly i just want to talk i'm not sure how old your children are but were you gambling while when you had kids no 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 i wouldn't i i was lucky my kids are low teens and i'm 18 years clean so yeah yeah I'm very lucky I didn't gamble when I had my kids. Um, but I know people that do. And that that's a, a dimension, like a dimension, not demented, uh, that's a, I can't think of the word, that's an element that I really don't even want to think about if I would have had kids. No. They, don't need to, they didn't need to see me in action. No, no, you're right. Okay. Um, if anybody would like to find out more about Gamblers Anonymous, uh, you can phone them in Victoria on 03-9696-6108 or you can go online at gaaustralia.org.au for more information on recovery from compulsive gambling. So that's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Barry for sharing his gambling recovery story with us and talking about how Gamblers, Gamblers Anonymous has helped his recovery. Thanks, Barry. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure. Speak again. Uh, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when our new Living Free co-host, Gabby, will be talking with Glenn, a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, about the impact of alcoholism on their life. Uh, coming up next, we've got a pre-recording of Balamoire, uh, The Spirit of War, hosted by Uncle Telgum Choco Edwards. Uh, join Uncle Choco in the Spirit of War on a journey of belonging and movement through sing-alongs and yarns. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.